everyone and welcome to the Punch Like a Girl podcast. I'm Nathaniel. And I'm Liv. And this is the show where the two of us, me being a lifelong geek who has been reading superheroes and comic books for longer than I can remember and... I'm a school librarian who has not been reading comic books all my life, but... So we take a look at graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists and this time we will be tackling Batwoman. Uh, specifically the collection called Batwoman Eulogy, the Deluxe Edition. Uh, so this was written by Greg Rucka, um, J.H. Williams III was the artist, Dave Stewart the colorist, Todd Klein did the letters. Um, before I get into the synopsis, was Batwoman a character you were aware of at all? Nope, just Batgirl, I think. I only knew of Batgirl, and we have read Batgirl and reviewed it on here as well. Yes. So, did you even know that Batwoman was a character and was not Batgirl grown up? I knew she was a different character. I might have heard of her once or twice. Like, I can differentiate between a girl and a woman. So. Well, I, I, was, I wasn't trying to presume otherwise. I'm just trying to establish what the baseline was going in. Um, yeah, I knew they were different characters. So, yeah. Okay. I figured as much. Um... So, yeah, now this is um, a collection of a story that was in the middle of the ongoing series. I believe this was pulled from Detective Comics because she actually took over the main story in that, which had been dedicated to Batman for a very long time. So it's actually kind of significant. So to a certain extent, as I do this synopsis, realize, dear listeners, uh, and also... um, once we're past the synopsis, there will be a spoiler warning because we're going to get into things pretty detailed around the thing. But the there will also maybe be slight spoilers for Supergirl, just so you know. <laughs> yes, uh, that's the TV show Supergirl. Yes, TV show Supergirl. But um, what I the point I was starting to make like three sentences ago was <laughs> no, that was my own fault. Um, is that this was, um, this is a story that there's very obviously stuff that happened before that led into this that we are left to pick up from context if reading this in isolation. And it also leaves some very clear plot threads unresolved, which is pretty much par for the course when we're dealing with trade collections rather than graphic novels because it's just pulling a single story arc out of an ongoing series. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, Eulogy is kind of doing two things at once and somewhat concurrently. It is telling the current adventures of Batwoman, um, which is the crime-fighting identity of one Kate Kane, um, who has technical support in the form of her um, military father. And he was awesome. He is a very cool dude. We'll, we'll get into him. And she's dealing with sort of lingering threads from what I presume was the previous story, dealing with this organization called, I believe, the Church of Crime, which we don't get a lot of details in this story. I imagine there was probably more details in whatever story preceded this as to what their deal is, but it does appear to be a very literal. This is a religion built around criminality and... I, I Maybe I wouldn't say evilness, but 
not good things. Um, and apparently they have targeted her in the story prior to this. So she's dealing with them and they now have a new leader in place in the form of uh, a newcomer to town called Alice. Um, so we have Batwoman dealing with the Church of Prime, dealing with Alice, um, dealing with ramifications of um, you know what is going on in her life. And she had been almost killed by this what is essentially cult before so she's dealing with the ramifications of that and the trauma from that as well yep so she's she's got a lot that she's handling going in there is some uh, personal life juggling um going on as well and then towards the latter end of the book we also get um basically an origin story interwoven with um lots heavy on the flashbacks towards the end yeah basically like the the story in present time more or less wraps up it kind of hits its primary climax um i'd say about two-thirds into the into the collection uh -huh. and then what follows still picks up a little bit from that i don't want to imply that nothing moves forward after that but it is primarily taken up with history and background and um and origin stuff after that. So we get an adventure before we get a sense of how we got here. Mm -hmm. um, but that's sort of the broad overview. Um, general thoughts before we start picking into details. I absolutely love the artwork. Yes. It's gorgeous. <clears throat> um, the contrasting colors in her costume, the black and the red, is just, it's so dark and striking with her red lips and the flowing red hair and it's just really pretty. Alice is really gorgeously done with, she looks like a porcelain doll gone crazy essentially <laughs> um, with the like flowing locks and the like porcelain skin and the like wide eyes with the dark makeup around it and just the like lacy dress with the hood and it's just and the mascara running down her face it's just so gorgeous um i i especially since we're just off alias where we were complaining about the art oh dear god I, especially coming after alias i could not agree with you more i it was nice. It was a nice breath and yes. a cool drink of water I, in terms of artwork. It was It was better than a cool drink of water. It was like a chilled glass of champagne compared to Alias. I he loved this art. It's so, so much. pretty. I mean I, I like Batwoman's design in general. I've always liked her design. This is actually this isn't my first time encountering the character. This is my first time reading one of her stories though. I've encountered her in adaptations like i've i've seen there was a there was a directed dvd movie secret of the batwoman something like that um and then she appeared in the movie batman bad blood um and and especially in that one i always loved her design i think she looks amazing just by design but even aside from that the art is amazing one and one of the things i really like is the style distinctively changes depending mm -hmm. on what the subject matter is. So basically- Yeah, the colors 
schemes <coughs> change too. If it's like her fighting and at night, it's much darker with the contrast with the red and the black. And then like scenes with her father are done more in like tones of brown and tan and things like that. Yeah, well, I mean, the entire thing changes because, like, I mean, if we're just looking here, basically, whenever she's suited up. Uh-huh. You get this shadowing. look. You get heavy shadowing, but it's it's given a look that's almost looking painted. It looks really meticulously done. So yeah, it's, and, but then it's you intricate. you get to her day to day life, and it's still good art, but it's much simpler. I wouldn't call it cartoonish, but it's a bit more standard issue comic book art. It's not the. Um, in, it's not the gorgeous stylings like that you yeah, have in the fight scenes and it's and not like, the uh, it's not the heavy gothic painted look and it's actually really fun watching it transition even within a page because I'm looking at a page here uh-huh. where you know she comes into this room with her dad and, and starts out more or less in the style that we just saw her in day to day life mm-hmm. middle panel is transitional and then down here there she is with the Mm. With she puts the mask on and we've completely changed style again, and this is and this is one artist, and it is such a shift that I would have believed it if you had told me they I they had different artists. I changed artists at one point when I was flipping through it just now. I was like, did they change artists? And ugh, it's no. just gorgeous, so talented. Who's the artist again? J. H. Williams the third, who I have never heard of before, but holy cow! Awesome job! Holy cow! Yeah, this is this is. Yeah, we we could probably just go through and and praise the art front to back throughout the whole, throughout the whole thing, and we might do, but we're probably going to mention it several more times. Even the border work is really cool. Yeah, the the way the the panels flow, it's they sometimes do cutouts of like the Batwoman. There's one where, um, her body is matched with Alice's, so it's her from like the top up and the bottom down. It's Alice, and it's really cool. It's like sort of opening a new chapter, um, and like, it's just, it's cool. It's just gorgeous. Like, just flipping through it without even reading it, it's just a delight. It 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 really is. So and obviously, we're both big fans of the art. Uh huh. <clears throat> what what do you think about? the character in the story okay i really like the characters <laughs> okay um i really like kate i really like her father alice is interesting um we get some on her towards the end yeah or what we think who we think might have been her but i would it's, like it's more pretty, of it's her pretty much confirmed by the end yes um uh I would have liked more on our goons. I would have liked to understand like the werewolf things more. Yeah, that's one of those things that I that you kind of have to chalk up to. I assume this is something that you would understand better if you'd read the whatever the preceding story was, because there is this faction that I guess broke off from the cult, and it's like. At some point, they call themselves, like, the True Believers. They probably have another name in there. Yeah, but there's, like, there's a werewolf. There's a guy with tentacles for arms. I thought he was fighting the guy with tentacles. No, no, he's with them. Oh, okay, tentacle guys with them. Tentacle guys with them, and there's, there's <laughs> like, a... such specific names for these there's people. There's kind of a, a lizard, oh, yeah, lizard woman. Lizard woman. I think it's a woman. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the way the curves are drawn, I'm going to say woman. 
Um, but yeah, they kind of, they're just kind of there. And they're, they're, they're one of those things you kind of have to shrug and go, it's Gotham. Gotham. <laughs> Good thing I'm familiar with the TV show where I'm like, anything can and will happen and weirder than you think it will. Yeah. Yeah. As, as much as the TV show Gotham does not um, uh, really tie very cleanly to any existing canon of Batman, it does give, it does get you in the mindset of, oh, this stuff just happens here. Speaking of, since they just um, finished up their Mad Hatter plotline last season. So Alice, this is a different Alice that exists in that story. Mm-hmm. And yes. I'm wondering if they know of each other, if they coexist. Not Alice and, not the Alice of this book and Alice of Gotham, the TV show, but like the Mad Hatter and this Alice. Are they aware of each other? Well, the, there's an acknowledgement of it, but they, they just kind of hang a lampshade on it. Oh, okay. Because um, the, there's one line where I think Batwoman kind of mocks her, like, you know we've already got a Lewis Carroll villain in town, right? Oh, right. I do remember that now. Okay. But that that's kind of it. And I'm I'm kind of of, of two minds on Alice. Alice's, well, again, the art. Alice's look is great. It is a fantastic look. I don't know what the um, what the evoking of Alice from from one well it's not even a question of motivation I can buy that she has a thought process that I don't understand mm -hmm. but I feel like the referencing of Alice in Wonderland is just shorthand for nuts and I don't know what it what how it actually serves the character or the narrative. I wonder if that's something that is explained somewhere else. That That is a distinct possibility, as is pretty much always the case with these things. <laughs> we do not know. No. <laughs> we did not read the other issues. No, because I, I I come in with, with whatever knowledge I have and don't do research. <laughs> <laughs> and I should do more, probably. I think, considering that you come in with almost no base knowledge on this stuff, I think you do an admirable amount, because you have to make for, uh, for the fact that I don't do it. Oh, thank you for the flattery. Um, so, what did you think about um, the bit of the bits of Kate's personal life? I like them for the most part. My one issue, um, well, Maggie Sawyer's referenced, and I was like, oh, that's not the Maggie Sawyer I know from Supergirl. Like, I'm fine that she gets with Kate, but um, I'm like, oh. She's very white. Ah, <laughs> uh, I believe they get engaged later on down the line. Oh, not in this though, because they've just met, right? Well, not in not in this story, but in um in the comics, those those two characters. Oh, interesting. Yes, um, but I still like Maggie in here and everything. Um, oh, side note. So I was doing research on this. The actress. So in Supergirl. Um, the actress who plays her, who plays Maggie, is supposed to be Latina, but she's actually of Italian descent in real life. Hmm. And German and English and Irish and other things. So, um. I, 
I don't know if this is just going to sound bad coming out of my mouth, but she looks the part. I Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's what most people assumed and what I also assumed, but then I looked it up and, and she references being non-white um, in the TV show, but um, I looked it up because I was like, I probably should know this actress's real heritage, and that's why I found out, so. Hmm. But yes, um, I think Maggie in Batwoman has blondish hair like dark blonde hair yeah which kind of skin which kind of was an established thing because maggie sawyer actually she wasn't created for the story she's been around for a while she's been around since the late 80s so she was i like that she's a policewoman too it goes well with kate's um military background yeah yeah which i like that too i like i just really like that it's not like oh She's a lesbian. She, she's a very active lesbian. <laughs> Should I put it that way? She she's popular with several ladies, and they're all quite gorgeous and awesome. And I like that about her. She even like you know um, came out in the military, got kicked out for it. Like it's, yeah, because because this this is part of the flashback, and it was back during Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Yes. So, and it, it's actually. That's one of my favorite moments in the I'm mean, connected to it because she gets she gets called in because she's she's about to graduate from the military academy and she gets called in by her commanding officer who says like look I've heard an accusation I'm prepared to give you the benefit of the doubt just tell me it's not true and she recites this this creed that she's been, I, I, I see if I can find the exact wording, but yeah, because it, it's really well done. Um, the writing's pretty good in here too. It's just the art is just oh. like, blah, it's so amazing. So here it is. What she says to her commanding officer is, "A cadet shall not lie, cheat, or steal, nor suffer others to do so." And so on that basis, she won't tell him what he wants to hear. She says she's gay, and that's it. She's out. But what I really love on that is the capper on it later when she goes home to see her father, who is a military man who's been a military man all his life and is obviously was obviously very supportive of her joining the military. And she tells him that she that she had to leave and why, and um, and and you know he asks her why couldn't you tell him what he needed to hear, and she says I'd have been lying, and he kind of pauses for a minute. And tells her that he's proud of her. Oh, he's so awesome. He is. He is a. He's a really great character because he is. He's very believable, especially for the background that they give him. But they. But it also resists the temptation to just write him as a paragon. He does still come off. He. He does come off as still being human. <laughs> mm hmm. Fallible and like. He's kind of her Alfred, the butler. But he, he's her dad. A bit, a bit. Yeah. Um, and she goes through some hard drinking days after that. Oh yeah. Partying days. Um. Well, yeah, and we also get uh, Renee Montoya in there that way. Who's um, I don't know if that's a character you know or not. She was originally introduced in the Batman animated TV show and made the transition to the comics. Oh okay, I I've heard the name. Um, okay, so yes, I did like the characters. Um, I think I liked Alice better than you, probably because I was like, oh, it's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of rendered me, like, dumbfounded. And I like the characters. I, 
I like the story. I don't like that it becomes flashbacks um, for the last third. Like, I feel like the pacing and structure are off and that is my main criticism of that. It doesn't ruin it for me. Again, I think the writing's good and the characters are so strong and the artwork is just amazing. But the pacing and the structure are the weak points, I believe. I I would agree, but I, I would have to stick the asterisk on that of the the structure and pacing is a problem within the collected volume. Yes. So if you were reading the ongoing comics, i.e. reading the issues before this, and then continuing to read whatever came after this, mm-hmm. it probably has a better overall flow. But unfortunately, as sometimes happens with these trade collections, where they choose to section it off can sometimes result in pacing that is weird when taken when you take the volume in isolation, which yeah. So that's you're, more you're of not an wrong. issue of the publisher than say the writer. I yeah, I would say so. Because it, it is very clear that like this story's not over. Yeah. There's a heck of a lot more to happen. And I suspect that the pacing probably works better continuing forward with wherever it went after this. Mm. Um, I honestly, if it's a collection, I could have it. could have been longer. I would have been. Fine. Uh, I, that I will agree with you. Here's what I will say in terms of where they chose to to make the breaks for this collection. I feel like, and and I say this not knowing what happened in the next issue, but I feel like they stopped an it, one issue short, because I feel like we get. You know, some wrap-up for whatever was going on before. We get the introduction of Alice. We basically have dealing with Alice. Mm -hmm. And then we have all the background stuff, which does feed into Alice because it ties into who um, Alice is. Mm -hmm. And her relation. Yeah. To Kate. But then it just stops. And I feel like what should have happened, especially... I know, it was an abrupt stop. Yeah, what should have happened, especially in terms of a collected volume, is... We should have then come back to confronting Alice again because you've introduced her, you've now explained her, now it should all come together and culminate in something, but it doesn't. And again, I say that not knowing if the following issue, like immediately after where this this break happens, actually did that. It's quite possible that it didn't. I mean, maybe Alice didn't show up again for six months for all I know, but... In terms of a narrative, it's it's missing a third act, mm-hmm. is what it is. Because it's got act one, um, confronting Alice. Act two, all the backstory. And then it should all come together for a third act that isn't yeah, here. Yeah, kind of leaves... Because you've got, yeah, I mean, if you're talking like Shakespearean <laughs> arc, you've got climax and sort of denouement, and now you need resolution. Yes, yeah. So. It, it, it is lacking in in resolution which again is more of an issue of the the way the uh the publisher chose to collect the issues um more so than just a problem with the writing in and of itself Mm -hmm. um i had a few moments i wanted to highlight this book had me almost right off the bat forgive the pun but like 
one of the earliest pages, she's got this guy in an alley. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to get information from him. And it's a very, it's a very Batman-esque thing. Mm-hmm. Be shaking down a thug in an alley. Mm-hmm. And she's got him up against the wall with her boot on his neck. And, but what happens from there is, it, it starts out pretty typical. Um, which is, you know, the, this person going, you know, I can't, I can't talk to you. They'll kill me. And what tends to happen in most Batman stories, especially these days, is he just keeps threatening until he finds the threat that makes them crack and give him the information. What she does is she lets him basically collapse on the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, you know, they'll kill me if I tell you anything. She says, they won't. And he says, no, you don't know. They will. She says, no. And then she just reach, reaches down and puts a hand on his cheek and says, I won't let them. And when that happens, I'm like, Batman would never do that. And I'm not saying I need him to, but that is such a wonderful distinction for for her to have to give her a moment like that that she will start kicking this guy's ass but then read the situation well enough to go he doesn't need to be threatened he needs to be reassured ah yes the woman's touch (laughs) yeah i i especially with a young man yeah (laughs) yeah i love that and i that and that is pretty much that is like page three Mm -hmm. of this thing that's right at the beginning and i've Oh, I love that. That is so good. Uh, yeah. Um, so what did you think of Kate's character overall? Because you've talked a little bit about the father. You didn't like Alice as much. Um, or know what was evoking. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Alice as a character. I just don't, I don't know what the references serve. Oh, that reference, yes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, like taking more in isolation, I kind of dig her, but mm-hmm. it's like you you layer in the Lewis Carroll stuff. I'm like, why? Um, but as as far as Kate herself, I do I do like her. Um, I there are times that I wonder if they overplay the. <sighs> I'm trying to think of the best way to word this to try and get a, <laughs> to to get across the the trope I'm trying to name. Like, but the the moody lesbian thing a little too much because even in her day-to-day life like she's she is incredibly pale and she used and she wears this really stark eyeshadow and this goth lesbian yeah and and these blood red lips and she wears a tuxedo to this ball oh my god they look amazing in the tuxedo which is a hot maggie which is a hot look i'm not I oh, take God. nothing away from tuxedos are yes dead. usually look pretty amazing. Hell, even the twenties new women in tuxedos were awesome. Why? Uh, why yeah. is it Catherine Hepburn in a suit? Why? Why is this not more of a thing? But anyways, I yeah. I, I do wonder to a little bit if if they overplay the 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 again I can't I there's got to be a better term than moody lesbian but I just I feel like that's a mode well, I've mean, seen a, maybe a few too many times elsewhere. I don't even think it's necessarily like a moody if you think about Batman it's not even being the lesbian it's like the moody uh, gothy thing 
if you think about her tie to Batman, then maybe it makes sense then, and you can take out the, like, whole... I guess, but with Batman, you know, when he's out in public, he's not being moody. That's part of his shtick. Is well, that he... sometimes he is, depending on the rendition of him. Well, the there's a reason I said in public, as opposed to, you know, just out of, out of the suit. Because there is, there is a difference between Batman, Batman out of the suit, and Batman in the public eye. Because, but when he's in the public eye, he's playing the playboy. Um, okay. Whereas she, she, Kate has a bit more of a consistent characterization, kind of regardless of what she's doing. Mm. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I but I think that might be more my baggage from having read superheroes for so long that I'm used to more of a distinction like in persona yeah. between when someone is in and out of the costume. Mm. Now that I'm actually saying it, I'm realizing, you know what? That's not really a requirement. That's just something I expect because I've been reading this stuff for so damn long. So that might just be me. Yeah, because I wasn't really bothered by it. All right. Um, trying to think if there was anything else. But I, I did like Kate as a character. She, I she is determined. Know a little more about the cousin because I was. She comes in briefly at the. Well, party. that's. Uh, bet that's kind of a tie because she's because she's a she's a superhero too. I forget who she is. So many superheroes. Every, it's Gotham, who's not a hero or a villain or yeah, both at one point or another. Everybody has the oh, I remember another thing. I was I like that. Um, actually, this is a first thing that when when we go into flashback mode, I like that it. Um, the way that it kind of works its way back because we get we get like a little flash of there's a nice um, the pages too are a nice like contrast it slowly goes into it with like the colors and the style changes like we said too yep um, but we you know we get a little bit of her as a as a small child but then we get um, a, another bit that I really like if I can find ah where she, when she gets um, basically inspired to become Batwoman, which is another scene that I really like because I, I think whenever you're dealing with characters from what's generally called the Bat Family, which is you know B Batman adjacent characters, um, the question of why do they do this and why do they do this as a Bat persona kind of always comes up and sometimes the answer to that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I like, I really like this where she actually has an incident um, in the rain, kind of uh, on the street at night where this guy comes at her and she just takes him down and like completely handles herself. Um, but then she rounds a corner and there's Batman and she is startled and she, and she falls back. Mm-hmm. And he just reaches a hand and out. And it's wet and slippery, so she might have slipped too. It's not like sunshiny day. Oh no no no! Yeah, it's a. Um, but he just reaches a hand out for her to take and get back on her feet, and then he, you know, he um, grappling hooks away and. Like you do. Like you do, and there's just this moment of her watching him leave, and then seeing the bat signal, and there's something about her being inspired by him in a very direct fas fashion, like firsthand encountering him but not being saved by him. 
Mm-hmm. I just, I really like, like that. Like a nice little moment of reflection, like, oh, okay. Yeah, because there's enough about her background, and especially with her getting booted out of the military, because it is made very clear that she that, that was a lifelong dream that she wanted to serve. Mm-hmm. And now the way in which that she thought she was going to, she can't. Mm-hmm. So I, just based off that motivation, I could buy that she becomes a vigilante. But just this moment, just these three pages of this encounter is enough for me to go. And now I get why she chose to adopt a bat symbol as opposed to anything else. Yeah. It's nice that she has a realistic background for what she does. Like, it's not like, oh, she's just good at this. Like, first of all, not only was she, like, does she have the military background? She also... it is like a gymnast, a former gymnast. So like the fact that she's very flexible and can do all these amazing things makes sense as well. They actually explain it because as opposed to like, I don't know, just certain superheroes that crop up and they're like, look, they have powers. Boom, pow, wow. So sometimes they, they make some serious logical leaps. Like I love Barbara Gordon, but the the extrapolation of gymnast to street fighter or um to go way back dick grayson from trapeze artist to mar yeah. to martial artist like i kind of get it but that's a leap like her no i get it yeah. totally totally buy it yeah, but I mean it. But it also does put the gymnast in there. So together, yeah, you yeah, got a but, powerful. But she she has both. Whereas Barbara, I, and again, that's not me saying like Barbara never had training. I know that you know eventually she would have had training from Batman, from Dick Grayson, from them or whatnot. But starting out, she was just a gymnast. Yeah, Barbara's a oracle makes a little more sense. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Well, eventually we'll we'll get around to Birds of Prey and we can actually dig into her as Oracle, which will be nice. But no clue when we're going to get to that. Like like we have said, we have... <laughs> we probably have a docket that would keep us busy for the next eight years mm-hmm. or so. So <laughs> no clue when we'll get to anything. But I think... That's most of what I had. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I really liked it too. It was really, um, since we read it in 2017, a good way to end the year. Very positive, especially after the crap part. (laughs) After Alien, oh boy, I I needed. And a better, and I think a better, a slightly better story as well, so. Yeah, and now I still love Jessica Jones as a character, but the, you know, that, that first story of the first, those first few stories of the first volume are of Alias are interesting. Don't necessarily grab me. The art, I, I loathed down to the core of my being. I loathe that art, but this, this is engaging and enjoyable with characters that I really want to spend time more time with, and it just looks so good. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, and another, and this was another thing I loved about her look um, in general. And I also love the way that they addressed it. I love the hair. I love oh, the hair to death. I love that it's a wig. And I love that it, yes, exactly <laughs> I did that. write that in my notes. Oh, also, cool point, um, Rachel Maddow, 
wrote the introduction and it's very good and like yay Rachel Maddow of course you love this because you're awesome <laughs> I figured you would have read the uh, the introduction I you didn't oh wait I have notes on the introduction I, my I, notes got lost but not those that part of them saved what did I say about Rachel Maddow uh, while you're looking that up yeah I I yeah. rarely read introductions or um like afterwards or whatever that tend to appear in these sort of deluxe editions i just i don't know they you should read it because um lots of evidence in her <laughs> intro is what i wrote i remember what she wrote but yes definitely very journalist like i've got the evidence to back this up <laughs> That's um cool. it's but, been a while since i watched her show but yes i do enjoy Mada. Um, but yeah, the, 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 not, so not only do we find out that this massive, gorgeous red hair is a wig, but the timing of finding that out is perfect because it is right after she's on the rooftop with Batman and he says to her, do something about your hair. One pull, the fight's over for you. She just kind of smirks at him. She says, I'll take that under advisement. And then we see her get back to her apartment. She, she just pulls the hair off. It's not even attached. She knows what she's doing, Bats. Back off. She's got this. Yep, yep. If she loses it, it's all right. Is Which, just a wig. Now that I think about it, pretty much every woman in, like, the comics has long hair. Most of them do. The only ones that I know of where it's a wig, it's her and Black Canary. Oh, I didn't realize there was wig black hair. But can you well, think of any with short hair? Um, Power Girl usually has short hair. Oh, that's true. Power Girl does. Um, not a lot. Not a ton. Villains too. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean, it's because Catwoman. It's usually in her. Yeah, Catwoman. Oh. It's not usually exposed. But I think I think honestly, part of that is oftentimes with female characters, flowing hair replaces a cape effectively from mm. from an art perspective you just get more that you can do uh visually with long hair though to be from from a practical standpoint that shit would get, that stuff would get in your way <laughs> you'll have to bleep that i will have to remember to edit that when i <laughs> when i put this together that stuff gets in your way so um yeah but because you would wear a ponytail, my friend Emily has pointed this out. Like, why do they not put their ha hair in a ponytail? Because it would get in your face, and people would pull it. It's very true. Oh, uh, Captain Marvel has short hair. Carol Danvers. Okay. Yeah. She, she rocks the short hair. Yeah. Um. But yeah. And Catwoman covers it, which is she. Yeah. Smart thing. She covers it, so that's practical. Um, sometimes Storm has a mohawk, <laughs> right. which was actually a look they started doing as a joke for her, but I just like it unironically. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but wait, we're kind of more practical than the flowing hair. Yeah, we're kind of tangenting now, okay, which, yeah, yes. which is usually the sign that maybe we've hit, um, a wrap up point. So I... I think that's a pretty enthusiastic endorsement for both of us. I, I think both of us had, like, minor issues with different things, but I enjoyed the heck out of this. Yeah, it was very good. So, Batwoman Eulogy. 
Um, definitely worth reading. So we're gonna take a quick break and then we've got listener feedback. Oh, okay. I'm Diablo Frank, and I've been a fan of the Amazing Amazon for my entire life. To be truthful, I'm not a typical fan of the Paradise Island set. I'm not big on mythology, and I'm highly critical of the most popular Themyscirian stories. I like it when Wonder Woman loses her powers and hangs out with a tiny blind Asian martial arts master named Ai Ching. Or when she works at Taco Bell and helps collect child support for a co-worker from a deadbeat mafioso dad. Or when she rides around on kangaroo ponies from outer space and is a little too into bondage and spanking for the squares. Wonder Woman is great, but I really miss Diana Prince. The reminder that the heroine feels and fails and bleeds like the rest of us. That's why I call my podcast about her Diana Prince Wonder Woman. Because I like to remember there's a woman behind all that wonder. And I'd like to talk about her if you care to listen on iTunes, Shout Engine, and Internet Archive. All right, so we have a little bit of feedback, a couple of comments on the most recent episode, um, then on some older ones as well. So on Alias, first comment comes from Nathan Yu. Hey, listen, Nathaniel, love the show. Nathaniel may recognize me from my comments on his YouTube videos. I do, Nathan, welcome. Really enjoyed your review of Alias, despite only reading the first issue. I agree with a lot of your comments. Despite usually liking the art style and repeating panels to show expression or lack thereof, I don't think it was executed as well as I've seen it done in other comics. Anyway, great episode as always. My only complaint about the podcast is that it isn't updated more regularly. P.S. is Runaways on the docket. Should fit the criteria for team books, but well worth checking out regardless. Um, yeah, we... The, the reason the show is monthly isn't because like we don't enjoy doing this because I think we both do, but I just don't... Anything more um, frequent than that just isn't practical. No, I have a very... I, I run two libraries all by myself, so I don't have a lot of extra time. And we both live fairly far apart, so... Yeah, it's... it's dependent... Well... These these days with uh, Vermont weather, it's oh, it, it, it's yeah. a it's it's anywhere up to about an hour, fifteen minute drive, depending on how yeah. how how fast you can safely go. But yeah, we we we've got we've got a bit of distance, and yeah, unfortunately, nice. lo logistics keep us from doing it any more frequently than monthly. But much appreciated on the vote of confidence. As for the runaways, I. I think I, I do actually have it on the docket. It's not one I've actually gotten a hold of yet, so it's probably a little ways off. Um, but it is on there. So it may, may, Someday. maybe in, Keep listening, and in a few years. Come, we'll, we'll, now that we know that you want it up there, and I've heard of it and know, there's, is that the TV show that's There is that? a TV show for okay. that one, yeah. And maybe we will try to up it on the list a little bit and if we don't we'll see you in 2023 <laughs> um the other comment on alias is from tim price he said i started collecting alias around issue 14 and i keep meaning to find them the story sounds great so i'll get uh, i'll get it on my wish list asap perhaps the artwork suffers from going uh, too far for mood and style at the expense of storytelling. It didn't bother me as much, though the multiple panels was... Uh, um, <clears throat> it didn't bother me as much and, th and thought the multiple panels that showed the passage of time pr it was done pretty effectively, but I certainly understood the frustration you both had. Still, wow, that was a lot of hate from Nathaniel. Another enjoyable episode, keep them coming. Thank you, Tim, and yeah, I 
yeah. <laughs> it's it was speaking of someone who usually if I'm hating on art, it's from nineties comics, so I was hating this for reasons I'm not usually hating art. That was a That was but we made up for it with this one. We so. did. This helped a so lot. Pretty. Tim has actually been working his way through the back catalog as well, so we've got comments from him on some of the older episodes too. Starting with um, back on episode number three, where we talked about unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Tim said, Squirrel Girl was such a treat. I've followed her for years now in GLA, that's Great Lakes Avengers, and New Avengers, but this comic is a much better take on the characters. So much fun. By the way, I read these issues in the Marvel Unlimited app. No, I'm not paid to plug it. I just have a terrible addiction to it. And the side comments are indeed on the bottom of each page. So I bet they were there in the original comics as well, just not the trade paperback. That's sad. What's sad is I got halfway through the first issue before noticing them. Don't! And let's hear it for heroes with rhyming names. And, mm-hmm. and when you get to the next collection, oh, great episode, punchers. I like that. Punchers? We're the punchers. That's, <laughs> I like it too. that's delightful. Yeah, I. Oh, it's probably going to be a long time before we do a second volume of something we've already, I, I would say of anything we've already done. Um, um, that said, we some, we've already had a repeat author. We did. And we probably will have another one coming up again because I do need to finish. We have another one by Victoria Jameson, her new one on the docket. So. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we may um, get repeat um, creators, um, but coming in for second volumes of stuff we've already tackled, again, might happen eventually, but there's a... Who, uh, what ones would you revisit in terms of... Um, I I would really love to see the next volume of Ms. Marvel. It's kind of the first yeah, one off, I was off the top too. of my head. Um, but Squirrel Girl 2 would be right up there. Yeah, and I would do more Batwoman. Those would be my top three for yep. once to revisit in terms of that. Um, I, I'd, come, I'd go back to Lumberjanes, too. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Lumberjanes. Yeah. Um... We'll see, too. My um, middle schoolers are about to read Miss Marvel, so we only have the first volume for them. If it's popular, then we might, then I can justify buying the second one. <laughs> Woo! It's for work, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Tim also commented on episode 8, where we talked about El Defo. He said, I was all set to listen to episode 4, Sunny Side Up, but my daughters own this one. Uh, Mm-mm. Do you want me to read for a while? <laughs> Do you want to read this one? Go for okay. it. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you a break. Yeah. Okay. So I was all set to listen to episode four, Sunnyside Up, but my daughters own that one and I haven't read it yet. When the episode reaches the spoilerish section, I had this inv- involuntary no, getting it. No, no, abort. So I jumped to El Defo, which my whole family has read and loved. Yes, my daughter read um, GN? Uh, graphic novels. Oh, graphic novels. Wow, I should have figured that out with me, but they aren't my wife's thing. She read this one because she has family where the book is set. We live an hour away from there. It was in the local news for the John Newberry Award, and it's mostly autobiographical. My 
lifelike stories that are real, and this story suits that all the way. It's such a charming story. The artwork might not be everyone's taste, but Cece does lots of things right and pulls it off. I especially agree with your comments on word balloons. They're usually intended to be ignored, but Cece leveraged them in such creative ways. Like Nathaniel, I was presently surprised the ending didn't turn into a big moral. It's it let Cece and the other kids in the class be kids and gave Cece her moment to be the hero. And she is a hero, not in the big conflict sense, but in how to be herself when her abilities are so different from her friends. I really like how you put that. Nice job. Um, my whole family got a lot of joy from this book, and it sounds like you both did as well. Cheers. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, that was a fun one. And I like all your connections, too. Mm -hmm. CC in that area. Um, so next up, he commented on uh, episode five, uh, Wonder Woman Earth One. So I'll take this one. Okay. Yeah, I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> We're tired. It's cold. Meh. <laughs> Vermont problems. <laughs> yes. Um, I just read this graphic novel before listening to this episode. Well, that sure was something. You both raised lots of points I had as well, but explained them much better than I. Particular stands out, Herc, Herc the Jerk, Love Beth. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Noel, my Latin professor, who came up with that. Yep. Morrison's, quote, subtlety, and Diana resolving the conflict peacefully. Nice. My Wonder Woman is the post-crisis George Perez version and a few following years. Diana was all about fighting for good and supporting love for all. This novel feels like it changed love to sex, which doesn't sit well in keeping her a heroic figure. Also, I like the Amazon's original explanation of the bracelets as tokens of almost being enslaved by men and serve to remind them to never happen again. That feels more powerful to me than integrating the trappings of subservience. It's interesting, yes, but dilutes fighting against the tyranny of men by acting it out in their sex life. I just don't get how making bondage a turn-on for Amazons becomes empowerment for women, which is what Wonder Woman should be, in my mind at least. So yeah, my final analysis is the same as Nathaniel and Liz's. It was entertaining, but I don't think I'd recommend or revisit it. Meh. Matt is the word of the day. It's still very interesting discussion indeed. Um, I actually really like the way, Tim, that you put it in terms of how Wonder Woman Earth 1 has a shift of her from love to sex. I think actually that sums up mm -hmm. a big part of how Grant Morrison chose to approach it. Um, and I, I don't inherently have an issue with bondage imagery with Wonder Woman because, I mean, you look back at the Golden Age stuff, it's really, really baked into the character. But, you know, at the same time, it's been reinterpreted enough since then that it's not it's not necessary and I'm not sure that Morrison actually had anything to say by bringing that to the forefront yeah. again other than just going, hey, remember when Wonder Woman was more about this? Yeah. So, ah, well. Uh, what have we got next? Uh, we got, oh, we got one more. Uh, this was on Roller Girl, uh, also Tim Price. He says, 
I've been meaning to read this one for a while. Both my daughters love it, and I trust their taste. You you have cool kids, Tim. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, yes, she has a new one out, too, so I'm sure they'll be getting that one soon, and we will be reviewing that one as well. I have to read it before I put it on the shelves. So, um, so getting back to the comment. Sorry. It's, it's okay. I interrupted, too. Um, their comment has that curl... Their copy has that curling corner page look of a book that's been reread a lot. Knowing about this episode got me to sit down and read through it. To, oh my gosh, such a fun story. I enjoyed it immensely. Trying to keep my comments brief so they're going to be more disjointed than usual. My girls are living this drama right now, <laughs> so I sympathize rather than dreaded the drama. Oh, so are my middle school students. <laughs> <laughs> Completely agree that Roller Derby kept this from being a book which could be told as a, uh, with a boy instead. I dug Astrid slash Asteroids' journey from childhood to teenager with the parallel of the sport and what it teaches her. Face fear, be strong, be tough, and when needed, put on your war face. Yeah. Okay, you might not believe this, but I discussed derby names with my girls, and the one uh, I thought for myself is lame, Bruce Payne, but I suggested for my daughter Ginny the name Hermione Danger. I swear to Thor I had not listened to the episode <laughs> first. Oh, that was awesome. And I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, was that... You or... That was Sharon. That was Sharon. That knew about that, but that name has been taken, I think. Yeah. Which is not surprising. Um, and then Tim ends by saying, So, yeah, afraid I'm going to comment on all your episodes just so you know. Don't apologize for that, no, Tim. these are great. And I'm very excited that your daughters know some of these books as well. So Yeah. So thank you absolutely for those comments, and we would encourage anyone to, to give them a listen, um, or if you want to go the extra step, maybe drop a, an iTunes review. We could use a few more of them. Yeah. But I think that'll just about wrap this one up. Mm -hmm. So thanks so much, folks. Um, if, if we're able to wrangle what we need to as planned, then next month we will be tackling a book about ballet and we'll have a guest star Ooh, Ooh. Had one in a while. no it has been quite a while for that <laughs> so um come on back next month where hopefully we've managed to to get the logistics of that squared away <laughs> so uh see you then bye bye punch like a girl is a council of geeks production this show is presented on the Fire & Water Network, and feedback can be left at fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at punchlikeagirl1. The theme music is composed and recorded by Erica Dreisbach, whose other works can be found at ericaricardo.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye!